It's wonderful to be with you in person and for those of you that are worshiping with us online, it's wonderful to have you here as well. I'm going to put this plug in because in the days ahead as we regather more and more and it's been again so encouraging to see so many of you return and and to hear that after being vaccinated and as our country begins to open up uh, there will be a lot of announcements that we will need to share and communication is always a challenge with a church at this size and so I do a weekly update every Thursday there is an email that is sent out from our church and it gives you details and events that are happening. And with that, I, in the weeks ahead, I'll be sharing what our walk phase looks like as we move from crawl to walk. And so if you don't receive that email, I would just invite you to go to our website at acac.net and click the, um, I think there's an I'm new or get connected button and you can just sign up for that. I promise we won't flood your inbox with lots of emails. All right, this uh, weekend, we are going to look at the fourth, 14th chapter of Mark. And if you saw my weekly update, I prepped you for that. And so hopefully you read verses 1 through 31. That was my suggestion. I, it's always a great idea when we can read God's word ahead of time and then we dive into it together. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them. They'll, of course, put it on the screen ahead of us, but if whatever it is you choose to use as your Bible, I would invite you to join with me as we look at Mark chapter 14. We're going to read verses 22 through 24. And again, here we go. Let's look at it. Verse 22. The Bible says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. These words are very familiar to us. As a Christian, they should be very familiar familiar to you. And these words are some of the most precious, beloved, and repeated words and have been so throughout the centuries for Christians. These are the very words in which Jesus instituted what we call Holy Communion, the Eucharist, or the Lord's Supper, which we will conclude our service this weekend with. But these precious words, these beautiful words that come from the lips of Jesus are right in the middle of words of betrayal and words of deceit. They're tucked right in the middle of painful words, of sinful words. Let's look at it together. Again, they'll put it up here. Just a few verses before Mark chapter 14, we find out about Judas, one of the disciples betraying Jesus. And it says, Judas, he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. And then following the famous and precious words that Jesus gives at this last supper, we find Jesus saying, all of you speaking to his disciples will desert me. And then Peter says, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Do you get the picture? 
that between words of betrayal from one of Jesus's closest, Judas, and between words of denial from one of Jesus's closest, Peter, are these beautiful words tucked in. The most beautiful words spoken, these life-giving, redemptive words are tucked in between words of betrayal and denial. And yet, while these words are here, it's very significant for us because these are the realities of the world that we live in today. Christians are tucked between sinful words and yet Jesus breathes and Jesus brings words of life and hope and love in the middle of sin, in the middle of this dark backdrop, in the middle of this context that it's filled with sin, Jesus breathes and he speaks life. And my hope that today as we go through this, that we'll understand in the middle of our darkness, in the middle of times of betrayal, in the middle of times of uncertainty, in the middle of our fears, in the middle of our discouragement, in the middle of our unmet expectations, and yes, in the middle of our sin, Jesus today still speaks precious words that give life. And it's because of such a darkness, it's because of such sin, we understand that Jesus had to go down a road to resurrection. So over the next four weeks, we are gonna make some pit stops, if you will. If you were looking at this as a map, as we head towards Resurrection Sunday, as we head towards Easter, today we will stop at the Last Supper. Next week, Pastor Blaine will bring a word to us and we're gonna talk about the image. We will stop at the triumphant entry of Jesus. On Good Friday, we will stop at the cross. And of course, on Easter weekend, we will stop at the resurrection. Now, these aren't in chronological order. It is the last week, the holy week, if you will, leading up to resurrection. So just so you know, I recognize they are out of chronological order and that's intentional. But today we are going to look at the last supper. And this, this is tradition for us. This is a meal for us. This is part of our liturgy, a part of our worship. And it has been throughout the church, people of faith for centuries, as I've said. Here at ACAC, we set aside time the first weekend of every month to incorporate the Lord's Supper in our worship. And because of the timing of this series, we moved it back one week. But today, we first are gonna dive into the context. We first are gonna look at the time of Jesus in the backdrop of Mark chapter 14, what was happening in Jerusalem and with the Jews and in the nation of Israel at that time and under Roman oppression and what was the significance that the disciples in Jesus as they prepared for the Passover, what was significant for them? And of course, it always points to how does that impact our life today? And then at the very end, we'll end our time by coming to the table of the Lord and joining in holy communion together. With that, let us pray. Father, we thank you. We have lifted our voice and given you praise. You are um, a God who is faithful. You continue to prove yourself faithful and show yourself faithful again, even when we do not. And so we remember that and we celebrate it tonight. Today, this weekend, we also celebrate the fact 
that you died for our sin and you rose again, we remember and we rejoice in an event. And we also look forward to one day you coming again and taking us with you to paradise. Would you breathe over these words? Would you bless the service today and those that are watching online in your name, amen. As I mentioned, for us to fully understand the significance of what Holy Communion is before we go to the table of the Lord. I believe we need to recognize and really grasp and understand the scene and the context that Jesus and his disciples, um, as they came to the Last Supper together in that time. So we're gonna look at that. Let's go straight to it in Mark, the 14th chapter, verse 12. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, we're gonna talk about this, this is significant. When the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So this was the week of the feast of unleavened bread, a few days before Passover. And it's really important for us to understand that this was tradition. This had happened through the years. And Jesus and his disciples and all of the Jewish people at that time, they had done Passover. They had done this feast of unleavened bread a particular way every year. You with me? Very similar to how we do communion once a month, that we have a liturgy, if you will. We read a certain passage of scripture. We take the bread and the cup a certain way. So the same was true with the Israelites at that time. And during that week, I mean, this was a volatile week in the city of Jerusalem. This was a time when everyone came to the capital. Everyone came to the nation's capital and Jerusalem and energy was on high. Now, remember, the Jewish people were under oppression of the Roman government. And so it wasn't, um, it wasn't uncommon for there to be uprisings and violence during this week. The Jewish people longed for the day when a Messiah, a king would come and free them. This is one of the significant reasons why the triumphal entry was so significant because they were, they were recognizing Jesus as king. And so the Roman government would have had security pretty tight. But even in that, the Jewish leaders of that day, the Pharisees, they wanted to keep the peace because they had power and they had control. So it was a very hostile and volatile time. And this is the scene, this is the historical context, if you will, that we read those words in Mark chapter 14. So where was Jesus in all this? We're not going to read it, but if you read Mark 14, the Bible says that Jesus was in a small village just outside the city of Jerusalem in a town called Bethany. But the thing with the Passover meal, which we're going to talk about, and this festival of unleavened bread, you were supposed to do that within the city, within Jerusalem. So here Jesus is outside of the city. And the disciples had to be wondering, they had to ask the question, Jesus, are we going to be going into Jerusalem to do this meal? But remember, Jesus was a wanted man. The Pharisees and the religious leaders had already had conversations with Judas about betraying him. And so you can imagine the, the concern, how are we gonna get into the city to do everything that we've done for years, but Jesus is wanted and they want to kill him. But as usual, Jesus had it all figured out. 
Jesus always has it all figured out. And so here's what we find in verse 13. Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house, he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already ready set up, is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city and they found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. Jesus had it all figured out. And he sends two disciples into the city and they find everything as is. My wife is here tonight and, and, and we were very blessed and fortunate to go to Jerusalem uh, two or three summers ago. And I want to show you a picture. This is called the Senecal. And this is the traditional place where we believe the location that the Last Supper took place. Now, full transparency, let me explain. This is not what the Last Supper room would have looked like in Jesus's day. This is simply the location. Um, I took this picture and it, it's incredible just to be there inside the city of Jerusalem. Um, a few interesting facts. This room was built above King David's tomb. That's how they have determined um, the location there on the Mount of Olives. Uh, it is also the room, they believe the same location of the Last Supper where the Holy Spirit came in the second chapter of Acts. And so this has a lot of Byzantine architecture. So this would have been rebuilt. You can imagine through the years and all of the wars, the original room would have been torn down, but this is about from the 12th century where the Byzantine bit it, uh, built it. But the fact is this picture gives you an idea of the room where the Last Supper would have taken place. And again, this is a major event to get ready for. I don't want to bore you with all of the historical facts, but bear with me and give me some patience. So these disciples that went into Jerusalem, they would have had some shopping to do. They would have needed to buy some bitter herbs. Okay, so this meal was the same every year. They had the same food every year. A lot of Jewish people do a Seder and it still consists of these things. They would have bought some bitter herbs that when they took it reflected the affliction that the Hebrew people experienced under the Egyptians. They would have bought fruit, apples, dates, pomegranates, and they would grind this all together and create a paste, if you will, that reminded them of the bricks that they made under the Egyptians. They would have needed to get some water and salt that represented the tears that were shed in the years of affliction. They would have had to have baked bread without yeast um, to be shared with everyone. They would have had to have get enough wine. There's four cups of wine, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And of course, they would have had to have purchased a lamb, which need to have been bought from the temple. Now, I thought of this and I'm like, these are dudes doing this. <laughs> It's, I mean, you, imagine doing Thanksgiving meal and you send a couple guys, you know, in, into the store at Walmart or Giant Eagle and you're getting all this, but this is what they would have to have done. But it doesn't stop there. They had to get the room ready. So as well as all the food, the large room would have had to have been prepared. They would have had to have cleaned the room from any yeast 
the whole house of any possible yeast because the bread had to be cooked and the food couldn't touch any yeast. Um, the food would have been laid out in the center and the way they would have had a table, it would have been a low table, kind of in a U shape. Um, you can ignore the Da Vinci picture that you may be used to because that's not the kind of table they would have had. They would have had cushions on the floor and they would have kind of leaned on the elbow and ate like this, you, you know what I'm at? So the room would have had to been set up. The food would have had to have been done. I mean, it would have been a busy day for the disciples. Passover was a busy day. Okay, so what is all this about? What was the significance of this meal to Jesus, to the disciples, and all the people of Israel? What's with all the tradition? What's with all of the rules? What's with all of the pomp and circumstance? It was all about Passover. It was Passover. This meal was a representation of Passover. It was the annual festival of remembrance. Everything in the meal pointed back to something that they remembered from their history. It was God's people, the Israelites, celebrating the Exodus out of slavery from under the Egyptians. You can go back and read the first 15 chapters of Exodus and that will give you the picture. That's what the Passover was about. It was remembering how God came through. They remembered and they rejoiced three things. And this is significant for us. We're first gonna look at the three things that was important to them. Here was the first. At Passover, this again, this would have been true for Jesus and his disciples and all of the Jews that were in Jerusalem at that time. At Passover, the Israelites celebrated who God is. They celebrated who God was. They celebrated their God. They celebrated the character of God. Look back, this helps explain it. If you go to Exodus Chapter two, the Bible says in the second chapter of Exodus, years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. They're still under the Egyptians. So the Israelites, they cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise. And we've spent a lot of time studying Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they cry out to him and he remembers the covenant promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down, God did on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. Man, I love that. They cried out to God and God responds by, it is time to act. You see, they were celebrating who God was. They were celebrating this God of compassion. They were recognizing and celebrating this was a God who hears. This was a God of justice. This was a God who led us out of oppression. And they were saying to those around them as they took this meal and as they remembered and as they rejoiced, this is the God. This is the kind of God we worship and we serve. It was all about a person. But there was more. Here's the second thing. At Passover, the Israelites celebrated what God had done. Now the act, the specific act, this is one significant act. So they celebrated who, God's, who God was, his faithfulness. But then they also remembered back to one significant event that happens in the 12th chapter of Exodus. And on the night of the Exodus, if you'll remember the 10 plagues, God sent the final 10th plague and he told the Israelites, he had warned them that he was going to come and kill all of the firstborns in Egypt. 
And what the Israelites were to do was to sacrifice a lamb and take the blood and put it over the doorpost. Are you with me? How many of you remember this story from Sunday school? Okay, I see your hands online. Great. <laughs> and they would put the blood of the sacrificed lamb on the doorpost and the angel of God would come and he would what? The angel of God would pass over. Yeah. He would pass over the, and, and their children would be saved. So through a sacrificial lamb, the wrath of God would be spared on that house. You with me? That's why they celebrated. That's the second reason why they celebrated the Passover. So one was who this God was, his character and his nature, his faithfulness. And two, they remembered back to that event, how God used a lamb and blood over a doorpost to save them. And here's the third thing. Passover, the Israelites celebrated the hope for the future. You see, it wasn't just about celebrating who God was and his faithfulness or an event that had happened in the past. It was also celebrating with a great longing. You see, as you go through the Old Testament, and many of you have read the stories, there was times where they were faithful, and then there were times where they weren't. And it was constant oppression and not oppression, and, and they always felt like they were in exile. There was a longing in their hearts. There was, through the centuries, still a feeling of captivity that they had. And even now, when Jesus and his disciples were taking this meal, this is why Jerusalem was so volatile. They were still under Roman oppression, and they looked forward to the day when Jesus would come and send a king Every time they celebrated the Passover, they longed that God would once again come. They longed for a new exodus. So this Passover feast, it looked back to what God had done, but it looked forward to what God would do. Okay, now all of this history, all of this context, you're asking yourself, Alan, get to the point. What does this have to do with us? As we begin to approach the table of the Lord, how does this help us? Let's look here. We read this at the beginning. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces. He gave it to the disciples saying, take it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine. He gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for, men, for many. Now remember, this is tradition. Okay, we, we read this and we're so used to hearing these words. And oftentimes we picture in our mind um, what that might have looked like. And I think we often take how we do communion and we kind of put it back 2,000 years ago with Jesus and the disciples. But they had rules and traditions and it would have looked completely different. So what I wanna do is just break this down real quick. Let's look at the bread and let's look at the cup because there's some things that have happened in between these verses that the Bible doesn't explain all of the context. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples. And then this part in green, take it for this is my body. Jesus goes off script. Jesus changes the game. And he says something that they had never heard, never repeated, and never had said since they were little kids. At that moment, at the breaking of the bread, we just read where he blessed it and he broke the bread. Here's what the host, and here's what Jesus would have said at that time. He would have said, blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who bringeth forth bread from the earth. 
there was this repetition, if you will. And the host of the meal and Passover would have said those words. He would have took the broken and he would have blessed it. And then he would have gone on and said, this is the bread of affliction that our fathers ate. In other words, this bread represents suffering, looking back to slavery in Egypt all of those centuries ago. But Jesus doesn't say that. Or afterwards, he says, take it, this is my body. And then Paul and Luke talk later, it says, which I give to you. Do you see the picture? I mean, it would be like me leading us in communion and then saying something that's off and you're, whoa, that's not what we do. The disciples would have had that response to Jesus. But Jesus knew that he was about to be killed and become the new Passover lamb of sacrifice. Jesus is saying here, when he breaks the bread and he gives it to them and said, take it, this is my body for you. He is saying, this bread is me. I give me you. I am the broken bread. I am the new Passover. I am the new Exodus. I am the deliverance for you. Jesus often was called the bread of life. You remember Satan tempts him. It says, if you're hungry, cast yourself. And, and Jesus says, no, no man should live but by the bread alone of the word of God. Many of Jesus's miracles involved bread and bread represents presence. So Jesus breaks it and says, I will always be with you. It's not just looking back, but when you're in the middle of sin and that dark context and you have fears and uncertainty, Jesus is saying, when you take communion, you can remember and rejoice that I am with you always. It's the meaning of the bread. Now he moves on to the cup of wine. And remember, there were four cups of wine. These four cups represented the four promises that God would bring them out. He would free them. He would redeem them and that he would take them. And it's most likely at the third cup where Jesus does this. He took the cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and they all drank from it. He would have taken a sip and passed it around. And then he said to them, Whoa, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice for many. He would have said, or the host would have said, blessed art thou, O Lord, our King, King of the universe, who give us fruit of the vine. After this third cup, he would have taken a drink and passed it to one of the disciples. They would have taken a drink and it would have gone on. But in the middle of that, Jesus says, this is my blood. I give you a new covenant. Remember, this meal was about recognizing the old. And Jesus said, nope. Now there is something new. Jesus becomes the new Passover. The fourth cup, we won't get into it or show it, but it says in that chapter that Jesus says, I won't drink of this wine until I, until I come or until future date. That fourth cup represented completion. So Jesus takes it, becomes the sacrifice after the third and says, no, there will be a day. You can long for that. So today, as we come together to the table of the Lord for his holy communion, we are celebrating, we're celebrating those same great truths in the Old Testament, but only now they are made even more wonderful in light of the very sacrifice that Jesus gave his life for on the cross and through the resurrection. Jesus becomes the new Passover. And just as the Israelites celebrated those three things, so do we. 
as we close tonight, look at this. Just as the Israelites, these are the same things. At the table of the Lord, today, when we come to the table of the Lord, we celebrate who God is. We celebrate and remember, God, you are faithful. That's why we look back a year ago and we didn't understand, we didn't know, but in the middle, God was faithful. We worship and say, this is the God we serve. We celebrate who he is, the faithful God. Just like the Israelites, just like Jesus back then with his disciples, we celebrate what God has done. Now for us, what event do we look to? We don't look to the, to the Exodus, to the Israelites sprinkling blood on the doorpost. We look to the new sac- sacrificial lamb, Jesus, who shed his blood for us so that the wrath of God could be spared on us and last we celebrate with hope for a future. Things don't always seem right. We get frustrated and we get intense and, and we have questions about the uncertainty of our world. Why? Because it feels as though we are in exile and we are looking and longing one day for an exodus. Just like the Israelites. When Christ returns and takes us home. So we are gonna end this service today by remembering and rejoicing. It's gonna be a little different than we've done it in the past. We are gonna take the bread together and we're gonna take the cup together, but we're gonna do something that Jesus and his disciples would have done. This is how that chapter, that verse kind of finishes out in 26. The Bible says they sang a hymn and went out on the Mount of Olives. Now, Some of you don't get hung up on this word hymn because they didn't have the hymn book that we have today. They sang a song. Now their hymns were Psalm, I believe it's like 115 through 118, but they sang and they went out to the Mount of Olives. So today I invite you to stand. Take the cup that you have that you've been given and let's stand together. We're gonna remember and we're gonna rejoice. So, Don't feel an urgency to get that bread and cup out just yet. Because we're gonna remember who God is, we're gonna remember what he's done and we're gonna remember the longing. And we're gonna sing a little bit first. I'm gonna teach you a song as we do this, okay? It goes like this. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. No, I won't hunger anymore at his table. Pretty easy, just like that. Come on, sing it with me. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore at his table. Listen to this. Come all ye weary, come and find his yoke is easy, his burden light. He is able, he will restore at the table. Come on, join in. There is peace at the table of the Lord. There is peace at the table.
an invitation. Come all you weary. Come all ye weary. Come and find his yoke is easy. His burden and Yes, he is able. He will restore at the table. Some of you are looking at me like I flipped the script, probably like some of the disciples looked at Jesus, like, wait a second, we're singing, this is a little different. Come on, we are remembering and rejoicing that God is with us. When he gave us the bread, he said, I will always be with you. I am the bread of life. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. So whatever may come, even if you don't see it, I'm there. His presence is here. Would you take the bread in your hand? Would you break it tonight and partake of the, of the bread? Because he said on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus, he took that bread. And he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body. It's my presence which is given for you and do this in remembrance of me and that's what we just did and then he continues in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is a new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink would you take that cup partake if you would when you get it open thank you Jesus that you're with us thank you for your presence thank you for the blood the new Passover the new sacrificial lamb for us Lord we long for you And I know he has a place for me. And what joy will fill my heart with the saints around the mercy seat of God. Come on now. sacrifice you made and 
until you come again, we will look to you as our God and our King. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Just have a seat for a moment.